You know, Andre Crouch, the, uh, the gospel singer, has a, has a song called Take Me Back. Take me back to the place where I first believed. And I think it's really, really a powerful line. Jesus says to some uh, uh, Christians in the book of Revelation, you know what, you, you've lost your first love, that, that first expression of love for me. That was Rob Parsons, our guest on Focus on the Family today, talking about returning to our first love. I'm Alison Schnell. Your host is Focus Africa CEO Graham Schnell. And on today's program, we're speaking about a life of faith. Alison, a lot of what we share on this broadcast is marriage and parenting advice, which is wonderful. And it's all from a biblical perspective. But we'll often mention that at our core, the most important thing we want to do is share the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible, because that is what matters most. Mm. It is one of our guiding pillars. And it says this, we believe that the ultimate purpose in living is to know and glorify God and to attain eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, beginning within our own families and then reaching out to a suffering humanity that does not know of his love and sacrifice. And today's program falls into that category. You spoke with Rob Parsons, a good friend of Focus on the Family Africa, about his most recent book, From the Heart, an honest look at life and faith. So let's go now to that conversation. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good people bring good things out of the good stored in them, and evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in them. And it's clear from Scripture that the heart is important. What's in our hearts is what matters to us. It's how we understand life. It's how we engage in our faith. And hopefully that's being influenced by God's Word and by our relationship with Him. But our hearts can be easily or be positively influenced by others as well, particularly those who've lived a life of faith and gained wisdom. And one such person who I feel privileged to call my friend is Rob Parsons. Rob is the founder and chairman of Care for the Family. He's an international speaker and best-selling author of over 20 books, including his latest and what will form the basis of our discussion, From the Heart. Um, and the subtitle is An Honest Look at Life and Faith. Rob is married to Diane, lives in Cardiff in south of Wales, and has two adult children and five grandchildren. Rob, welcome to Focus oh, on the Graham, Family. Oh, Graham, thank you. It's brilliant to be with you again. Love coming to South Africa. Well, we, we love having you. And when I do the maths um, as we introduce you at seminars and events that you speak at, I, I think it's been 18 years you've been coming, wow. and I think this is probably your 15th visit to South Africa. Gosh, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, well I've loved every one of them. Oh, Thank that's you. good. Well, mm. we appreciate just the incredible investment that you continue to make into family life here in South Africa, as well as obviously the incredible work you're doing in the UK. And now you've written this book, From the Heart, uh, which I think is a really special one because it's really touching on so many of the aspects that are so close to your heart. Uh, and I know you dedicate this book to a, a special person in your life. Mm. Um, and and the title of that chapter is is Somebody at the Gate. Why don't mm. you just share that story with us? Well, uh, Graham, Dan and I, my wife and I, have been married for almost 50 years. And we'd only been married for a couple of years, long before the kids were born. And it was near Christmas and the, the doorbell went. And I opened it, it was dark, and there's a man standing there. 
I kind of half recognise him. He used to come to our church youth club when we were kids, had some educational challenges and spent all his life in a care home. Um, and when he left the care home at 16, he was practically living rough. And now he's in his late 20s and he's found where I live. It's, and I say, it's Ronnie, isn't it? Yes, Robbie said. And, and in his right hand, he had a black plastic bag with all his worldly possessions. And in his left hand, a frozen chicken. <laughs> and I said, uh, Ronnie, where'd you get your chicken? He said, somebody gave it to me for Christmas. I said, well, can you cook it? He said, no, I can't cook it. I said, well, come on in anyway. I'm sure Diane will cook a chicken for you. And she did. And... And, you know, for some reason, Diane kind of whispered to me, uh, why don't we ask him to stay the night? And, and he stayed with us that night. And he stayed with us the next night. And then it was Christmas Eve, and he didn't go home then. And he never left. <laughs> he lived with us for 45 years. Um, he died about 18 months ago in the middle of the COVID um, pandemic. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was fascinating with, with Ronnie because he'd never had a family of his own. Mm. He had no real sense of worth or belonging, but we watched him change, even in those early weeks and months. He got a job as a, a dustman, a trash collector. Now, I was a lawyer, and um, every morning I would go into the law practice, and on the way in I would drop Ronnie off at, the, at his job at the dust yard. And, you know, Graham, I'd get home some nights, and he'd be sat in the same chair smiling. Mm. And I can remember one night I said, uh, Hey, Ronnie, when I get home at night, you're always in that chair giggling. What amuses you so much? Robbie said, When you take me to work in the mornings, in that car, the other men say, Who's that drops you off every morning? And I say, Oh, that's my lawyer. <laughs> Isn't that great? But, you know, I don't think he was being taken to work by a lawyer. Do you know what I think it was? He never had a mother take him first day of school. Never had a mother brush away the tears he went into the playground. Mm. Never had a father say when he was 11, how'd he go in the big school today, son? And now he's almost 30 years old, and at last in his life, somebody's at the gate. Mm. And I called that chapter Somebody's at the Gate because, you know, whether we're a dustman or a lawyer or a single parent mum or a king or a queen or whatever, we all need somebody at the gate. Mm. We need somebody there for us we need to know we matter and um, and I think Fogus does that for lots and lots of people and care the family we tried to do it as well mm. uh, we need somebody like that oh, amazing Rob you've dedicated so much of your life to to helping family life but it comes from a basis of faith that you have and a desire to, to see people uh, have a relationship with Jesus and uh, one of the chapters in your book is about a faith of my youth uh, and I love this book because as much of your ministry has been to, to married couples and to parents, this is really sharing your faith journey mm. um, and, and the ups and downs and some of the struggles of that. Mm. Um, you talk about coming back to the, your first love. Uh, why don't you share just some of your journey of faith and, and the ups and downs that led to you writing that chapter? You know, Andre Crouch, the, uh, the gospel singer, has a, has a song called Take Me Back. Take me back to the place where I first believed. Hmm. And I think it's really, really a powerful line. Jesus says to some uh, Christians in the book of Revelation, 
you know what, you, you've lost your first love, that, that first expression of love for me. Mm. And do you know it happened to me, Graham? In fact, um, some years ago I heard a guy preaching and he said every man needs three men in his life. He needs a Barnabas so we can encourage them, and uh, he needs a Timothy to pass the faith on to, and he needs a Paul to mentor him. Like if you're a woman, I'm sure you need those the equivalents. And, and I had some Timothys uh, that I'd pass the faith on to, and I had some Barnabases, but I didn't have a Paul. And some years ago, about 25 years ago, I found my Paul. He's only a few years older than me, but he's a million times wiser than me and a lot more godly. And after he'd heard me speak about my life, he said, well, Rob, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer of Job for you. Now, that wasn't a great encouragement because <laughs> I thought I might be sat down scraping balls off with a bit of clay pot. Um, but he prayed the prayer of Job for me, which was this. Oh, that I might rediscover the intimacy I had with you in the days of my youth. And you know, um, Graham, at that time in my life, I was pretty busy. I was writing books. I was speaking all over the world. I was doing lots of stuff. But honestly, I think my heart had got a bit hard. And I think although I was busy, that kind of love for Jesus that you have in the early years of your life, I think, was was going. I, I remember counseling a married couple some years ago and I said, why are you divorcing? And he said to me, well, it's strange. In many ways, we still love each other. It's just that over the years, there's been a creeping separateness. And I think that had happened in my relationship with God. Hmm. Not suddenly, just a creeping separateness. Sometimes Christian activity getting in the way of love for God, to be honest. And, and I prayed that prayer of Job that day. Help me rediscover that first love. Because to be honest, Graham, none of the other stuff matters if that's not there. If we don't have that, then we, we write books and we do seminars and we run youth groups and Sunday school teaching, and, but we come home to ourselves, but there's nobody in. Hmm. We, we need that first love. Yeah. What would you say to the person that might be really resonating with that now, that's feeling like, Wow, I've I've allowed a, a creeping separateness. Yeah. I can think back to the the days of my the faith of my youth that was so vibrant and strong. Mm. How would you encourage them? Well, you know, a couple of things, Graham. I, I think first of all, there's a difference between a nudge from God and a guilt trip. <laughs> and I think some of this, even somebody listening this morning, could just be a nudge from God. You know, you've you've kind of lost that that that, that first love and 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 I think so often what happens is most of us are more insecure than we let on. So we're trying to prove ourselves. We say yes to everybody that asks us to do anything. Can you do this? Can you run this? Can you preach here? Can you do this? Can you, you know? and, and many people live in busy lives anyway. And, and somewhere in all that busyness, we lose the the heart of God. In fact, Catherine Hill, who I understand you'll be you'll be interviewing shortly, has just written a, a brilliant book on on that. How do you find peace relationship with God mm. in the busyness of life. So I think not to go on a guilt trip, but to accept this little nudge of God and to realize there's nothing to prove. And then I think to realize honestly that we're loved anyway. Do you know, Graham, uh, some mornings I wake far too early. It happens to me about once every couple of months, it's still dark, about five o'clock in the morning. And a voice in one ear says, you know what, Rob? If people really knew you, they wouldn't read your books. They wouldn't come and hear you speak. You're a bit of a hypocrite. You don't pray as much as you should. And you don't read the Bible enough. You don't do that. I get that about once every two months. 
But if I'm fortunate, I often hear a voice in my other ear that says, I know you. Hmm. I know you better than you know yourself. Actually, Rob, I'm not as impressed with your books as you appear to be, (laughs) but I still love you. Nothing you do can make me love you more. Nothing you do can make me love you less. And I think, Graham, when we realize that, it's not so much that we have another bunch of rules and regulations to help us get close to God, but we we want to. I'm not a great prayer. I I don't find it easy, but almost every morning you'll find me on my knees in my study, and I, I pray. Do you know, I went through a time years ago where I almost stopped praying completely. I was a Christian leader, but I, I just didn't spend time praying. And, and I wanted to start again. And I read the simple words of Jesus about prayer. He said this, when you pray, go into a room and close the door. The modern equivalent is turn your mobile phone off. Don't take emails while you're praying. And then don't worry about lots of words. Don't worry about whether it's two minutes or 10 minutes or an hour. Don't worry about that. Just begin like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I began to pray that mm. simple prayer again. And you know, Graham, it wasn't so much a matter of New Year's resolutions, but just mm. from my heart, I wanted that. And there was nothing to prove. So, And gradually that, that first love did come back. Yeah. We've talked about that creeping separateness that, that can be quite subtle in a sense. Mm. But I think in life, uh, so many of us, and I'm sure you've, you're included, have, have suffered disappointments, mm. disappointments with, with people, um, disappointments in our life. And sometimes we can even be disappointed with God mm. where we, we might put wrongfully some of the blame on mm. him. Um, how do we recover from that? And what's been your experience in your own life and, and in others that you've walked along uh, the journey with to to cover, to overcome that? Do you know, Graham, this is at the heart of the Christian faith. Um, I think so often when we begin our Christian walk, we think there's a secret deal between us and God. <laughs> and it goes something like this. I will serve you and I will follow you but you will look after me. I know I'm going to get influenza and and I might fail an odd exam, but no big stuff. No cancers that don't get well. No losing jobs. No no big stuff. But the honest truth is, Graham, uh, there's no deal. He says, I will be with you as you go through the waters, and that is incredible. Even as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be there with you. But there's no deal. An Old Testament prophet Habakkuk actually puts it like this. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine, and the produce of the olive fail, and there are no sheep in the stall, still will I rejoice in you. And I think often that's the big test, when we're actually disappointed with God. And you know what happens so often? Is when life goes wrong, our our kids break our hearts, our, our marriage breaks up, we get into financial trouble, we lose our job, we think God is trying to, to teach us something or he's angry with us. And I'm not saying that that can't be part of it, but, but often, you know, it's just life. Mm. It's just life. And, and we have to somehow hold on the dark. I, I can remember hearing somebody say, you know, God has blessed my family, he's blessed my church, he's blessed my business, and, and, and that was wonderful. But that same man lost his job when he was 45. And the day he lost his job, he lost his faith. Hmm. Why would God do that to me? And somehow, Graham, we have to hold on in the dark. And do you know what? There'll be some of your listeners listening now, and 
and life's hard for them. Financially, life's hard. Their children are going through tough times. Their marriage might be going through a tough time. They themselves are struggling at work. Their best friend, that might be a single person, has betrayed them, and they're going through a, a really tough time. And, and they find it really, really hard sometimes to connect with God. They're hanging on in the dark. Do you see how precious that is to God? Mm. Because they're not hanging on because everything's great. They're, they're hanging on anyway. They're loving God in that sense, unconditionally. And that's incredible. Mm. So sometimes those of us who are going through times where we appear not to be on top spiritually are actually doing not too badly. Yeah. <laughs> I think of Jesus with his disciples saying after so many of his followers had decided to walk away yeah. and he said to them are you yeah. gonna walk away too and Peter said where, where will we go you you have the words of eternal life there's nowhere else when when you have the truth in its entirety as difficult as it may be there is no working walking away there's nowhere else to go Do you know Graham I had a conversation with a remarkable man a couple of years ago he told me that when they came out of church uh, one day, uh, four girls, as they got into their car, uh, a gunman began firing at them. And he said, I'm lying on the floor, my daughter's hit, I can't get to her, there are bullets flying everywhere. And he said, we were a missionary family. And he said, I remember crying out to God as I lay on that car park floor, God, what's going on? We're a missionary family, we're about to go around the world for you. Hmm. And he said, I felt God say to me, David, we're not going over this, and we're not going around it, and we're not going under it. We're going through it. Hmm. And he said, I lay in the hospital bed that night. Two of his children died. Hmm. And that phrase that you just mentioned came to him. And he said, I felt God say to me, well, are you going to leave me as well? And I said, no, I'm with Peter. Where, where would I go? Now, listen, this is not Disney World. There was rage, and there was anger, and there was all that stuff. But David had to work out, was he going to go on following a God that sometimes allowed you to go through things? Hmm. And we're getting very deep here, but these are deep things, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah. It is a faith journey. We're all on a pilgrimage. Mm. And the other aspect to that is that it's a journey that we don't travel on our own. Mm. Um, and so we journey with other other fellow believers and sometimes uh, they can be incredibly encouraging and we benefit from the community of those around us. That's how God designed it. But sometimes those same fellow pilgrims um, can actually get it wrong and be a bit nasty. And you write about that, about the nastiness of Christians and how you've, you've witnessed that in your faith journey. Uh, why don't you share a little bit about that? I am staggered often, Graham with the vitriol that Christians use towards each other. Mm. Sometimes the things we do to each other within the Christian community are unspeakable. And you know what's fascinating is often how one difficult person can affect the whole church and, mm. and the emails we send to each other. You know, Harvard University sent a note to many of its students and staff quite recently which said, we have come across an email which is a denigration of Harvard's standards. 
This is not the kind of email we want to be sending to each other. And I saw an email some time ago, which actually a Christian leader had sent to another Christian leader, and it was just horrible. I, I occasionally get them. Uh, it, they begin like this to you, Rob. Uh, I've been a supporter of Care of the Family for the last million years, and thank you for what you've done. And then they have a go at me, and they call me all kinds of things, and then they end, yours in Christ, or love your brother. And, yeah. um, and uh, do you know what I think has happened, Graham? In the old days, when we had to write a letter, sometimes by the time we'd found the envelope and the pen and we sat down, our anger had subsided. And then we had to write the thing and find the stamp up in an envelope and decide to post it. But these days, we whack off emails. Mm. And Jesus said a fascinating thing. He said, you will give account of every word. That means that every time we send an email, somebody else is copied in. And, do you know, it's the last night of Jesus' life. Within 24 hours, he's going to be dead and buried. He's just washed the disciples' feet. And he says to them, Do you see what I've just done for you? I'm your Lord and Master. You must love each other. This doesn't mean we all have to get on with each other and we all have to be like each other. Some of us will want to use the old green hymn book. Some of us want to sing swinging from the chandeliers. But it does mean we must love each other. His final prayer. Think of he could have prayed for anything. I pray they may be one that the world may believe that you sent me. And Graham, sometimes some of us are going to be ashamed mm. of the way we dealt with other believers. And it to be honest, it grieves me. Yeah. It, we we can be honest with people and people need to be able to take criticism. But the way we do it often I think is uh, is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, we are coming up towards the end of this program and and your book again from the heart an honest look at life and faith there's a number of chapters i didn't count them but probably at least 30 or 40 chapters (laughs) and so i want to give you the opportunity as you've written this book an honest look at life and faith to share from your heart what would be the one thing you would want to leave with our listeners today you know what is the the greatest encouragement, the the strongest urging that you would give when it comes to your heart um, and your journey of faith. Oh, there's a, there's a re- remarkable occasion. Mary has gone to anoint the body of Jesus, and the tomb's empty. And she says to whom she perceives could help her, "They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him." And you know what, Graham? There have been times in my life when I felt like that. Where, where have you gone? I, 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 I don't seem to be able to pray, and, and you don't seem to be present with me. They've taken away my Lord. Where have they put him? And, and then suddenly she hears her name, Mary. And it's possible that one of your listeners will hear that, Jack, Susan. Um, and it's him. And he's loved us all along. And he never did move. Uh, we did. And we can know again that incredible intimacy and you know shortly after that there are a couple of people along the road to Emmaus and suddenly the stranger is walking with them and he explains to them all about his suffering and and then they invite him to stay for a meal and and actually he he makes us though we would have gone on and, and though they beg him to stay sometimes God wants us to do that no no please please stay and and as he breaks the bread they they see the way he always used to break the bread and they recognize him. And then they say a lovely thing. Didn't our hearts burn within us as we walk with him? Mm. And Graham, that's what we want again. 
We want that touch of God where we hear our name spoken by him. And again, we feel that Mm -hmm. burning. Because like the title of my book, this is about uh, uh, the heart. Well, Rob, as we come to a close, I'm going to ask if you'd be willing to pray. Um, And I think there'll be people listening and resonating with one or many aspects Mm. of what you shared. Um, Those that are dealing with the the nastiness of a a fellow Christian, those that are maybe feeling that creeping Mm. separateness, a disappointment, um, a loss of that first love. Why don't you pray as we close? Can I pray a little liturgical prayer, which I use pretty well every day? Is that all right? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'll give it to you so that if your listeners want it, you can send it to them. Please come, Holy Spirit. Send forth the heavenly radiance of your light. Cleanse that which is unclean. Water that which is dry. Heal that which is wounded. Bend that which is inflexible. Fire that which is chilled. Correct what goes astray. Grant the rewards of virtue and the blessings of grace. Grant the deliverance of salvation. Grant eternal joy. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rob. Rob Parsons, author of the book From the Heart, An Honest Look at Life and Faith. Thanks, Thanks for being Lovely with us. to speak with you. I love listening to Rob Parsons. The way he tells a story is just incredible. And today he shared so honestly and vulnerably about those times where his heart was maybe a bit hardened towards God and the lessons he learned that helped him return to that first love. I hope you were encouraged. And for more encouragement, I highly recommend you get a copy of Rob's book, From the Heart. Ask for that when you call us on 031 or find it on our website at safamily.co.za. But most importantly, I want to recommend you join us in Pretoria and Cape Town for events we're hosting with Rob Parsons next week. The main evening event is titled 10 Vital Parenting Lessons I Wish I'd Learned Earlier, where Rob will share more of his heart and the wisdom he gained on his parenting journey. And at the morning event, Rob will present The Heart of Communication. As one of the most incredible public speakers I've ever heard, Rob shares his insights from 50 years of engaging audiences around the world. You'll find all the details and you can book for those events on our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.